Welcome to Grow Operation, Building the Business of Cannabis, a podcast where we talk to entrepreneurs and executives from the companies shaping the future of the legal cannabis industry. On today's episode, we're talking to Jeffrey Graham, CEO of Pistol Data. Pistol makes it easy for cannabis sales teams to prospect, upsell, and get quick intel to grow sales. Jeffrey Graham, CEO of Pistol Data. Thanks for joining us on the Grow Operation Podcast. Thank you, Alex. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we're, we're really excited to have you on. Um, I think you have really cool background before your cannabis days and are obviously up to some really cool stuff uh, on the cannabis front. So on that note, I just want to give you a chance to kind of intro yourself, kind of your background and, and, and a little bit of before you got to Pistol Data. Sure. So before I got to Pistol Data, I was basically, for most of my career, I was an internet research guy. I worked for a number of companies researching how consumers use the internet and building marketing analytics. So I worked at uh, the New York Times. I was head of research at the New York Times. I was uh, director of research at Google. I, I worked at uh, Twitter, building out their marketing analytics. Um, capability worldwide, and uh, then was global head of market analytics at BlackRock and came into cannabis looking for a different approach to a career. Cannabis has always been a big part of my life, and I felt the time was right to get involved and help build the industry. Yeah, that's awesome. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, before we get, you know, real deep into the, the cannabis piece of this, because that's obviously the, the focus of the podcast. I'm curious, like, you know, you say you're a, a proven leader in analytics, data science, business intelligence. How did you really get into that world? Because I know your background is communications, media, sociology by, by education. So how did, you know, data and analytics really become the focal point of your career? That's a good question. So I was living in Greece, uh, playing guitar in bars, getting uh, after I graduated from college and my only access to real information was um, the International Herald Tribune. I'd get it six days a week at the local kiosk in Athens. And um, I was reading about the internet and it was the middle 90s. I had a communication degree like you. And I was uh, kind of like um, Isaac Newton getting the apple falling on his head. Is that, is that the story? <laughs> I uh, so. and, and I was like, man, this internet thing, I've got to be a part of it. So I, I, my way in was to basically get a master's degree at NYU. And the only thing, there wasn't really an internet program back then. So I kind of made one up and I said I was going to study internet sociology. I figured that was wide enough, broad enough. And when I graduated from uh, that master's program, I hit the streets looking for a job. And uh, I basically would have taken any job that was an internet related job. You know, whether it was plugging in routers into a fiber trunk or whatever it was, I just wanted to be in the internet. Yeah. So I applied for a job as a media coordinator at a marketing agency. Um, and the guy called me the next day, he said, look, we really like you. Um, uh, but, you know, there's there's this other job called research manager and it pays five thousand dollars more and you look like a research guy to me. So do you want that <laughs> job? I said, sure. You know, I, yeah, I guess I'll be a research guy. And so that, that's how I became a research guy. You know, and then I, you know, I, I did my PhD at night, kind of build on that uh, through um, the early 2000s. So 
but that that was a turning point. If he said, you know, you want a job in sales, I probably would have said yes, and I would have be a salesperson at this point. Yeah, I mean, I th I think it's so funny that that hindsight is obviously twenty twenty, and your career has like taken you know a very clear shape since that day. Um, but it wasn't you know well defined at that point, and you kind no. of by chance ended up in this career that took you to the New York Times, to Google, to Twitter, um, to all these big companies. I'd love for you to just talk about a little bit, obviously these are big name companies, but I think the data and analytics side of these companies is particularly cool. It's kind of on the back end and people aren't necessarily seeing it uh, consumer facing the same way they would, you know, the actual New York Times, uh, their actual Twitter feed, you know, all of the different Google products that are out there. So talk through some of the cool things you did at some of these, you know, these companies prior to getting into cannabis that people know about and some of the cool projects you worked on from a data and analytics standpoint. Sure. So, um, I'll, I'll talk about a couple of things. I was at the New York Times in um, 2007, 2008. That's when we were trying to make a decision about whether we should charge for the digital, for digital access to the New York Times. It was a really big discussion back then. It's a question about whether a news organization like the New York Times could scale bigger if it was free and make more money through advertising or whether a subscription paywall model was a, was a better choice. So I led the research for that. And, you know, we threw a lot at it. We talked to people, we did, you know, uh, analytics, we did uh, financial forecasts. We asked, did all types of experiments asking people, you know, if you could have this, this, and this versus that, that, and the other thing, what would, how would you choose? So that was really fun, making a recommendation to the board there and saying, look, this is, this is what we think. And the New York Times, having done a paywall, has really benefited from, from making that decision. So um, I, have, I have you to blame every time I can't read an article because it's behind a paywall. <laughs> well, yeah, it wasn't my final decision, but it, you know, I'm glad that the Times is still around at least to uh, give you the, the free five pages a month or whatever that yeah. the paywall is up right now. Um, you know, I, the, the thing that um, brought me, so I was a New Yorker for about 25 years, what brought me to California was Twitter and building um, their market insights teams. I joined when there were six people on the team and uh, it was a great moment to join a company like that. And within two and a half years, we had a team in 11 countries around the world. So just being able to kind of travel the world and recruit and build a, a global team. That was super exciting. What, what I guess relates most to what I'm doing now at Pistol is a, a big part of the analytics that I did in my career were helping salespeople. You know, salespeople make a phone call and, and need to convince somebody to buy their product. And if they have relevant data and information that either can, you know, inform the sale, explain to the to the, the prospect why this product is going to help them grow their business or bring along insights that make the conversation more interesting to that prospect. That's kind of the, the, the skill and the capabilities that, that I developed um, over the course of that career. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and now that we've uh, bored everyone with, you know, the New York Times, Google, Twitter, some no-name brands, um, I want you to kind of talk about a little bit about NorCal Cannabis, which is where you were right before you kind of uh, started Pistol, and that was kind of your intro into the cannabis world. And and what really drew you to the cannabis world? Like, why cannabis? Why start Pistol? Um, talk us through that decision. Yeah. Um, so, 
I was, I was kind of tired of what I was doing. Um, and, uh, you know, I'd spent about 25 years in internet marketing science and figured, you know what, let me, let me do something new. You know, I'm not done, you know, maybe I got another 25 years in me and, um, just talking to folks, actually, I have a very good friend um, named Joel Lunenfeld, who had been my boss at Twitter, and, and he told me about uh, a company he was investing in called NorCal Cannabis. And as we were discussing cannabis, and as I sort of digested what I was learning about the cannabis industry, it, it felt like that same moment in Athens, Greece, of kind of all of a sudden, like, oh, wow, this, 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 is, this is a really big deal. And a big deal in so many different ways and cultural ways in terms of uh, people's health and, and wellness. Um, but also, to be honest, just an amazing industry that's, that's really at the beginning. And that's just really exciting to me for someone who likes to build and likes to, uh, you know, learn. So uh, Joel joined NorCal Cannabis as CMO and I joined him a week, week later as uh, head of business intelligence which, you know, gets a laugh out of all my friends. Like, what's Jeffrey doing? He's head of business intelligence for, for a weed company. You know, it's, <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a good one. Uh, but, you know, seriously, my job was, was simply to help uh, the company make better decisions with data. And I knew that that was going to be my entree into the cannabis business. And uh, I really wanted to make the most of it. Yeah, I love that. And, and, and it's funny, I, not, to, not to sound like a stalker here, but I remembered a specific post you had made on LinkedIn. So I made sure to go back and find it. You said, I'm an analytics guy. And so when I started working in cannabis, my first question was, where's all the data? So is it really that kind of question that led you to, to make the jump from NorCal Cannabis to start your own company because you saw that kind of lack of data for the industry? Yeah, I didn't come into cannabis thinking I was going to start a company. And I, you know, I'm not somebody who's been, you know, selling, uh, you know, newspapers since I'm 13 years old or, you know, had a trading card company in college or anything. Um, okay. But um, when I was at NorCal, you know, we had a lot of questions we wanted to answer and the data wasn't available. And the data that was available wasn't, it wasn't always trusted by the, the stakeholders that, that we had at NorCal. Um, they had a different idea of reality and the data was not telling them um, what they thought was true. And they couldn't, the, the, the data wasn't transparent enough for them to really deal with that. So that's kind of what it came out of. It's like, okay, well, I have to create some, some data in order to answer these questions. Uh, I built a capability there, a technology, and uh, I liked it so much. I said, you know, we should create a company out of this. That makes a lot of sense. And, and I think the the fragmented market, you know, the different, you know, regulations state by state obviously makes the, you know, makes everything in the cannabis industry a challenge. Um, and, and the same obviously goes for data. Um, I think this, this begs kind of one of the questions I'm most curious about to ask you is, okay. um, where are you getting all this data, right? Like you said, where is all the data? You said the data was fragmented. Like where is all this data that you're leveraging at Pistol Data coming from? That's a great question. Um, so we, we are uh, compiling and aggregating publicly available data. So if you think about all, particularly because cannabis is a regulated industry, there's a lot to know about what's happening in cannabis. So you can know about the licenses that are uh, provided to people, uh, active licenses in the state. 
um, that you can get from the Bureau of Cannabis Control. Um, you can see if a store is open through the Google API. It tells you if the store is open or closed. Uh, you can see uh, what uh, is for sale in stores based on what's on their e-commerce menus. You can find information about products and strains and you know, all types of information. We've just figured out a way to ingest uh, huge amounts of information, uh, clean and standardize it, and then make it useful for very specific uh, problems that salespeople want to solve. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that is a good segue to kind of the next piece that I wanted to touch on. You say that Pistol makes it easy for cannabis sales teams to prospect, upsell, and get quick intel to grow their sales. How exactly is your platform doing that for them? So what I learned at NorCal is that, you know, it's really hard to be a salesperson for a cannabis brand. You know, it's, it's hard for a lot of reasons. But one of the things that's particularly hard is keeping track with what's just going on with products in stores. You, as a cannabis salesperson, you may have a good idea about where your products are for sale in general, mm-hmm. but you may lose track if, uh, if a store is out of stock. They may not call you up and say, we need a reorder. Um, you may be working with a, dis- a distributor who is have- placing your product in stores. So keeping track of your stores, your accounts, your products is, is relatively hard. Keeping track of all the stores that are open in your area and just making sure, you know, you talk to people and you say, how many stores are open in California? You know, people have a rough idea, <laughs> but, but to, 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 to keep track to the week about every store that's open is hard. It's a real pain in the neck. It's hard to understand, to get a really sense of a territory at a, at a local level, like what's happening in San Diego versus Sacramento. You know, that, as, as you know, it's a very fragmented and regionalized market. So what we've managed to do is create a mobile app that a salesperson can pull out of his or her pocket and very quickly see what are their prospects in their area? What stores are not stocking their products in a given week? They can very quickly look and understand, well, what can I learn about that store? What are they stocking? Is there a hole in the menu? You know, maybe I'm going to drop into that store. You know, what what samples should I lead with? You know, what, what, what should I tell them about my products that, that, will, that will convince that store buyer that it would be great if they stock one of my products? We give them also information about the stores that they're in. Did it, somebody change a price? Are you out of stock in an area? Did a competitor come in? And then finally, you know, they can basically um, look at any brand in California and see what store they're in and what their prices. And so just get a sense of how they can conquest other brands, um, where their holes in the market, who's growing. Um, and so a, a lot of sales teams are trying to do this. They're cobbling together spreadsheets. They're going to weed maps. They're pulling down data from the Bureau of Cannabis Control. They're following on Instagram to see if stores are open. And we've basically just compiled that information to make it just a little bit easier for them to do their jobs. That makes sense. And, and obviously not everybody is a data and analytics person. So aggregating all of this information into one hub uh, is particularly important. But I'm curious how, specific, how specifically Pistol simplifies this information, right? Like you've just named a bunch of information that's in there that could in theory be useful for a salesperson. But how do you help guide them 
to the right information for that moment, right? Because just giving them a ton of information and saying this could all in theory help you um, may not help them make the right decisions in that specific moment where they're looking at all of this information. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up, Alex, because when I was at NorCal, I, I saw that there were a number of barriers to data being useful to people in the industry. One of the barriers was, you know, there's no local information. So, you know, statewide information is not really useful if you're the rep in Inland Empire or in Long Beach, right? Does it's not relevant to you? Um, the uh, another barrier was was cost. Some of the data services are really expensive, and not every data and not every cannabis brand can under, can afford them. Um, but the the third barrier was really simplicity. You know, I'm I'm a analytics guy, so you know, give me a spreadsheet, give me kind of a a desktop interface that I can use a bunch of filters and you know pivot tables and stuff like that. I'm happy, but I know that that's not the case for really busy cannabis sales reps who, you know, literally are like driving from place to place and they need that information. So I'm glad you asked that because we really focused on simplicity. Um, and that's why we led with a mobile application because it forced us to be very, very simple. You know, I think, I think the way that we were able to make it simple was to be very literal with what the data was saying. So here are 14 prospects in your territory this week. Here are three win back opportunities. Here are five stores that destocked one of your products. Here are seven price changes. So very literal, uh, you know, our, our vision is basically open up the application and you can understand who you want to call and what you want to say. So that that's the vision. And um, I think that that's been one of the reasons why we've had, even though we're relatively early, we've had uh, a good amount of success. Yeah, and I think it's really powerful because a lot of times people take complex information or they're like the people who know about the complex information and they kind of like the power that they, they have. And like, I'm an analytics guy, right? So I can read this, but you can't. And it kind of gives them kind of control of a situation. So I think it's really powerful that you've taken something pretty complex. I'm not someone who loves data and analytics, you know, the way that you do that I want, you know, a ton of spreadsheets on my page. Right. Um, and I appreciate them at the, the simple level, right, for what they can do for you. So simplifying that information, I think is really key. And you actually, you're doing a really good job of segueing for me. Um, okay. I know on your website, you guys talk about, you know, um, how Pistol is actually helping people drive sales. And you kind of narrowed it down to three things. You're optimizing current accounts, finding new opportunities for them and, and making it more effective for, for sales conversations. So I'd love if you could just like touch on each of those three points and kind of how Pistol as a product is helping sales teams with those three kind of pieces um, to driving sales. Sure. So let's say you're a sales rep in Sacramento and it's Monday morning and you're starting your week. You open up the Pistol application and you're thinking about a few things. You're thinking about, you've got to call your, your strategic accounts. Um, you're probably going to try to call them once a week and understand if you can upsell them or get reorders or you know what's going on, how you can help them. So we serve up information about those accounts and we'll tell that sales rep, hey, look, this is what happened in your accounts last week. Um, there's, been a, there's been some price changes, which may be 
meaning they're trying to move your product, or maybe the product is being priced at a level that you didn't expect too high, too low. Maybe this is worth a conversation. You have five products in that store, but three have come off the shelf. What's happened? Do they need a reorder? Are they out of stock? Do they need to move the product from the back to the front? That's worth a conversation. A competitor has been picked up in that store. You know, you're the, the competitor that you're trying to focus on. Um, that's interesting. You know, you should probably know about that. Maybe that's worth a conversation. So what am I going, who should I call among my accounts? What, what should I talk about? And where am I, frankly, where are my reorder opportunities or my upsell opportunities? The second thing you, you may, you may want to decide is like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to drive tomorrow and I'm going to do drop into a bunch of stores. What stores should I drop into that aren't, that I'm not in? I'm trying to get into some new doors. So uh, we'll serve up prospects that are stores that you're not currently in, in a particular area. And you can look through and be like, what type of store is this based on their menu? Like uh, what's their demographic? What's the vibe of the buyer? You know, is it heavy flour? You know, is it a premium pricing? And where's their, is there a hole in their menu? You know, maybe I'll stop by and be like, hey, you guys really should, you know, um, stock, uh, you know, I don't know, a value price pre-roll pack because everybody else is stocking it, but you aren't um, is retailer. And, and so that's what I'm going to lead with. What was the third thing? More effective sales conversations, but I think right. you already kind of hit on that. Thank you. I guess I should know what the third thing is, but uh, <laughs> thanks for reminding me. Yeah, I mean, that, that's covered in that, you know, sometimes we'll, when we do user kind of interviews, we'll literally like the person will see the steering wheel in the, in the Zoom call with our, with our user because they're driving around, they're pulling up the pistol application before they walk into the store. They're going to want to get a quick understanding of, what's going on with their products and the rest of the category so they can, they can figure out the best way to position their products. So that's, it's kind of a day in a life of a sales rep. And we're just trying to make all those processes of account management, prospecting and selling a little bit more data informed so that they can go a little bit better. It's like pistols, like having a, a cheat code. Uh, I think you guys call it a secret weapon on the website. Exactly. It's secret, a, secret a, weapon. A, how did you know that? It's a, how did you know that type of conversation? Exactly. Is, it a, is, is, is that a pistol weapon? Is that like a, is that supposed to be a play on words or is that? No, you know, it's, it's P I S T I L, which is the, which is a part of the flower. So when right. I, yeah. So, you know, but I wasn't it, sure if it was like a, a double entendre, like it was supposed to have multiple. No, no, I, I was trying. I didn't, I didn't want it to be, um, to, uh, violent sounding, but you know, there, there are not too many parts of a flower and pistol pistol seem to be the best one. So that's why I picked it. Yeah. Uh, so I, something I, something I found, uh, just doing a quick background search on you was okay. you, you spoke about something that I thought was, was kind of cool that kind of the idea of, and you've spoken about wanting to get into this new industry and that's kind of what drove you to cannabis, but yeah, focus specifically on cannabis versus alcohol and, and kind of the prohibition and of alcohol and how it's gotten to where it is today. You spoke to how there's kind of uh, a lot of product differentiation in, in alcohol, but it's at the end of the day, all really just kind of the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and you kind of spoke about how uh, it's all just liquid that you drink. There's not really room for so much innovation um, where cannabis can be consumed in a lot of different ways. So I'd love for you to just kind of speak on how you think about cannabis in the context of alcohol, which is obviously another 
somewhat regulated market, less so obviously now federally legal versus, you know, cannabis, which is not legal at the federal level yet. Uh, and how kind of cannabis may be able to win based on the path that, you know, has already been, you know, yeah. built by the, the alcohol industry uh, and, and how it may actually be able to surpass it. Yeah. You know, so there, there are obvious parallels with prohibition and, um, you know, you know, prohibition for cannabis has been, you know, I don't know too much about the history of alcohol prohibition, but prohibition for cannabis has been, you know, terribly destructive for, for, you know, millions of people and continues to be. But when you think about, um, you know, I, I, the, the parallels of, from prohibition of, you know, a bunch of kind of backyard bathtub stills and, then now you walk into a liquor superstore and there's 10,000 SKUs, right? right? And it's a huge, huge multi-trillion dollar global industry. I, I know that cannabis is going to be much bigger than that. You know, alcohol is pretty limited in its form factor. Like you mentioned, it's basically just a liquid um, and it's basically a, a depressant. You know, it's, you know, it's alcohol and sugar yeah. and water and, you know, you can do a lot with alcohol, sugar, and water and create a lot of different, you know, tastes and, you know, but it's a very narrow range. Whereas cannabis is, um, it is nearly unlimited in not only the type of products that we can create, but also the, 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 the type of comfort and joy and experiences that the, uh, that the plant is capable of. It, it's such a complex plant. So you know, I've had some experience in kind of packaged goods and, uh, you know, thinking about like designing specific products for particular needs. And I just see uh, looking to the future of cannabis, just um, how enormous that market's going to be. Yeah. And so I know you guys today are just California uh, at the moment. Is there plans to expand into other states in the future, short term or long term? Um, and, and kind of was, what does that roadmap kind of look like for you guys? Yeah. Um, we are uh, right now focused on California, uh, but we'll be expanding to other states. Uh, we'll likely be in additional states by the end of the quarter. Uh, we've been looking at Michigan. We've also been looking at Colorado. Uh, we have a national data set. We just want to make sure that we're, we have the right application for each state that we come into. So, um, you know, as the market becomes national and multi-state, you know, um, you know, pistol will catch up to that and then ultimately um, go along with the, the national uh, approach to the industry. That makes sense. Did you know I was from Michigan? Like, did you do your research and homework before? Did, did Michigan just happen to be the first other market that you named? Alex, I have to admit it was a coincidence. I, <laughs> I prefer that. I prefer not, not having people uh, looking <laughs> okay. up on the internet. Um, well, well, yeah, I mean, Michigan is is obviously, uh, you know, has so much opportunity in front of it. It's not as mature as a market uh, as Colorado is, as, as California is. So I think, I think Michigan is going to be a huge market right now. It, it seems like it's um, pretty heavily medically oriented, vertically oriented, and, and yep. has some room to grow. Yep. Uh, I am from Michigan. I'm, in, I'm in, living in Illinois now. So I think those two Midwest states are actually primed to, to, to really... Um, see huge growth in the cannabis industry in yeah. the next five to 10 years. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think there's probably a lot of opportunity to, to leverage data in some of those less mature markets because, you know, maybe the more mature ones, 
don't have the, the best data, but they've probably figured something out or sort uh-huh. of pieced it together um, in kind of weird, you know, back of the napkin kind of ways. Sure. Um, but so definitely excited to see what you guys do in Michigan, um, just as a native Michigander. Awesome. And you kind of touched on this um, a little bit in a lot of your answers, but, you know, especially talking about the room for innovation and the different use cases for cannabis, but what's next for pistol and like, what other use cases are you guys thinking about beyond just like having sales reps using uh, the data that you guys have in your system? Yeah, we um, right now are, as you alluded to, have focused on simplicity and have focused on um, the, the salesperson in the field. Uh, as well as the sales manager, um, we do think there's uh, an opportunity to, over time, develop deeper analytics for people who want to forecast or, you know, analyze pricing. Um, obviously, to start to look across states, there are plenty of brands that operate in multiple states. Um, maybe they, um, particularly if they're licensing their brand into other states to be able to reach out across states. So that's definitely on our mind. We also want to make sure that we are able to serve smaller brands that may only have one or two sales reps um, uh, or working with a distributor. So we're really focused. You know, our mission is to help every business in cannabis grow. Uh, and so we want to make sure that while we are focused on cannabis brands and sales teams, that we that we don't have to exclude uh, a, a team because they may be in a different state or because they may be of a, a different size. No, and I think that's something that I noticed, you know, going through your website and kind of your pricing model is like you have made it accessible for for as many people as possible. And I think that that's you know a huge win for for the industry. And I'm glad you kind of mentioned the like the investor and kind of the forecasting side of the the world. And I actually am interested, do you guys have any plans, you know, to let, to, to give the data to the individual dispensaries at a dispensary level where they can actually then use data to uh, sell better to their customers, not just like the distributors and the, the brands, and then even um, do something on the consumer side where consumers can then see data. I know you guys leverage, and this is one really cool thing that, you know, I plan to bring up later in, in, in the interview here, but um, you guys leverage the data for your own Instagram account. I think what you guys do on Instagram is really cool. Because awesome. you're talking about, you know, the top pre-rolls, the top strains, the top brands, the top gummies in different locations nationwide. And I think leveraging the data for marketing purposes, I think is really cool that you guys do. So is there anything on like the consumer level that you're you're looking to do with the data long-term? Not really. Uh, we, we don't have that in our sites. We, we, we're building out the pipeline. Uh, we're focused primarily on cannabis brands. Obviously, retailers have some of the same questions, which is, what's being sold around me? Um, you know, are my prices? How do my prices compared with the dispensary across the street? Uh, you know, what's growing in my area? Um, those are all really interesting questions. But you know, we we launched our product in in February, you know, so, so we're, we're, we're really early and we're trying to stay focused on, um, you know, our current customer base. That makes sense. And we'll, you know, that just means we'll probably have to have a follow-up conversation where we can find out when you're a little bit further along, what some of those new use cases may be, or if it has has changed at all. Um, With that, I want to kind of move into the final segment, uh, segment that I call cannot or cannot. So I'm going to tell you 
uh, statement and, and you have to tell me if you cannot or cannot get behind it. Um, I, unfortunately, I think, you know, you may have already kind of in a lot of ways answered some of these questions as um, we've gone along, but would just love for you to say can or cannot and kind of your reasoning behind it. Okay. Um, so number one, data will be a differentiator between the companies that make it and don't make it in cannabis in the next five to 10 years. I, I think that's true for every business in every industry. So absolutely, it will, it will make a difference. Uh, you know, data doesn't make decisions for you, but uh, without data, um, you're, you're taking a pretty big risk in every decision that you make. So cannot on that one. We spoke about kind of the alcohol and, and cannabis kind of stuff, and you, you kind of alluded at this, but cannabis will overtake liquor in either popularity, sales, or both within the next 15 to 20 years? Hmm. I don't know. I think, do, I, I, I think, so is there a can maybe? I, I, I think, <laughs> I think when you include all the cannabinoids and all of the derivatives of the cannabis plant, uh, and you include uh, you know, the whole range of applications that come out of cannabis, absolutely yes. But I, I don't know how the markets compare. I think, I think ultimately they can be pretty complementary uh, product markets. So we'll call it can maybe, the first ever can maybe on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> or can, I don't know, you know, can, can beats me. <laughs> waiting on more information. Yeah. Um, and then this is kind of a question I've asked everybody. And it's, you know, it's very interesting for me to see because everyone I've kind of had on the podcast has a lot of different expertise. They're in different parts of the industry. Yeah. Um, but the last one is always cannabis will be legalized at the federal level within the next three years. Cannot or cannot. What was this? Cannot? Cannot is the yes? Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I think that's the under over Alex is three years. I, you know, I, I know you're trying. You, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I think I think it may be. I think that we'll, we'll have made enormous progress. It will, there'll be an enormous pressure. I expect a lot of liberalization in terms of decriminalization, in terms of financial banking. Uh, obviously, a lot more states will go. Um, but whether it's three years or five years or six years, I'm not really sure. I think it's like, I know, I know this is the short answer part of your segment. I'm sorry, but, you know, no. people... People, you know, come talk to me sometimes that are outside the, the industry and they're like, wow, this is like New York just went legal. Like now there's really momentum, like now things are really changing. And for me, it's all inevitable. It's all inexorable. Like it all is going to happen. And so it's, it, it, every little milestone to me is just expected. And when one pin falls or the next pin falls, I know they're all coming down. And whether it's three years or five years, I think we're, we're, we're going to have plenty. Everybody's going to have plenty of room to grow no matter what the number is. Yep. And I actually started the first, first and only episode. We did five years and it was such an, a resounding yes that we moved it down to three years. Um, and it's so funny what you just said, because I was just literally having a conversation probably 30 minutes before we're recording here with a colleague. And she said, something was inevitable, right? Um, yeah. In our conversations. And I said, nothing in life is inevitable. Um, and, and we were kind of going back and forth, just joking around on this whole idea of inevitability. Yeah. And I think you have now just proven to me the one thing that I might agree is actually inevitable in life, 
which is the eventual legalization of cannabis, whether it's three, five, six, 10 years down the line, I, I think we kind of all agree that it will get there. Yes. Um, well, I appreciate those answers on the, the cannot or cannot segment. Um, yours were a little more vague. Usually I have some statistics or data that I'm leveraging, but I, you can't trick the data and analytics guys. So <laughs> you got to keep it a little more open-ended. I kind of give you more of the, the liberal arts approach than the- Thank you. The, uh, I appreciate that. STEM I appreciate approach. that. Thank you. Um, but I do want to just end by giving you a chance to plug Pistol, to plug yourself. Where can people find both you and your company online, social channels, email, whatever you want to give us? Um, what's the best way for people to get in contact with you? Sure. I'm I'm fairly active on LinkedIn. So Jeffrey Graham on LinkedIn, and, and I try to post there a few times a week. Uh, and our website is Pistol Data, P-I-S-T-I-L, data.com. And basically the site should explain what we're doing. If I didn't do a good job enough on this uh, conversation, um, you know, you can get more information there. That's awesome. And, and I think your social links are on the website so people can find those. Um, we appreciate the spelling. That's always helpful um, for those trying to get Jeffrey uh, on LinkedIn, where I would recommend connecting with him. He is underselling his activity on LinkedIn. He's underselling the quality of it. It's very thought provoking, always good uh, thought provoking, you know, questions on there. Uh, Thank it's you. Jeffrey Graham, G-R-A-H-A-M um, for spelling, just so that we clarify that one as well Thank as you, data. Well, Jeff, we really appreciate you coming on. Congrats on all the success up to this point. Pistol Data is some is a company that you know I've started to notice um, out there in my conversations on LinkedIn, you know, on the web. So congrats on all the success Thank up you. to this point, and uh, really looking forward to following along to see what comes next for for both Jeff, if it's beyond Pistol at some point, and in the short term Pistol. So uh, thanks for joining us on the Grow Operation Podcast. Thank you, Alex. Thanks for your time. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Grow Operation Podcast. Stay tuned next time for more stories from the people building the business of cannabis.